Hello, good afternoon, Pastor. Um, welcome to the conversation uh, on preaching series for Adventist Preaching. I'm so that you can make it and make time. Um, could you please start us off with a word of prayer? Absolutely. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you at this time just asking that you would abide with us, Lord, as we speak together, Lord. Um, may this uh, interview, this session be a blessing to those who watch. And we thank you again, Lord, for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Pastor Myers, for those who don't know who you are, could you give a pre uh, brief introduction and a small testimony of how God brought you to where you are today? So, uh, once again, my name is Pastor Ivor Myers. Um, I was not brought up as an Adventist. Um, first 20, 21 years of my life uh, was spent basically... Um, you know, not really sure about religion altogether. Uh, this is the juiced version. So, uh, at the age of 20 or 21, I was introduced to the seventh day Adventist message. Uh, our group, we had a hip hop group, um, had signed an eight album contract with EMI records. So we'd been on soul train and rap city. And I mean, we were doing our thing and it is during our first album that we were introduced to the Adventist message and that just flipped everything for me. Um, it uh, revolutionized everything for me and so I left it um, and began my walk with Christ uh, and that walk with Christ led me into the ministry and that's where I am today. So that is the super short, super juiced version of, of my conversion. Amen. Amen, Pastor. And I know right now with your uh, ministry, Power of the Lamb ministry, you are doing some really exciting things uh, with like photo theology. And before we get into photo theology, I would like to talk about what is what is your definition or what is the biblical definition of a powerful biblical today? A powerful sermon today, you said. Yeah, powerful biblical sermon today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think <clears throat> the definition of a powerful sermon to me um, would correlate with John 1, 12. And as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God. Any sermon that leads someone from becoming a child of this world to a son of God uh, is a powerful sermon. Any sermon that that strengthens or revives a son of God is a powerful sermon because that's what this, the sermon is designed to bring life. So to me, if the, the sermon must be life-changing for it to be powerful. Amen. Amen. Uh, and, and, and what's not, a, what's not a biblical sermon today? What's an example of what not, what we shouldn't do? Yeah. I think, um, I think sometimes we can, uh, we can preach for approval and that's probably the worst thing a preacher can do. You know, am I liked, am I not liked? Um, you know, do people enjoy my sermons? Uh, so I want to make my sermon enjoyable. Um, I want people to remember me. I think those types of, uh, approaches to a sermon will lead to a sermon that might might actually a lot of people might like but it's not life-changing so uh again i think the key difference is life-changing versus you know 
that was a good performance. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when, we, when we talk about Bible study, what's, what's the relationship between Bible study and preaching? And, and how does your Bible study affect your preaching? Is your Bible study different than your preaching? Does your Bible study inspire your preaching? Yeah, um, I would definitely say my Bible study inspires my preaching and my preaching inspires my Bible study. Mm. So I'll preach a sermon and after the sermon, I'll be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? I'll, I'll, I would have said something or seen something in that sermon. So in essence, I kind of believe that all my sermons are connected to one another because there is something from a previous sermon that maybe I didn't emphasize in that particular sermon, but I'm looking back at it and I'm saying, whoa, this is a whole, there's a whole nother sermon right here. And so I think it's kind of like a revolving effect, um, it, a, re, a reactionary effect. My Bible studies inform my sermons and my sermons in turn inf uh, inform my Bible studies. And, and to, for all those who are a part of your classes lately and you, and you talk about like different ways how you go deep into the Bible and these turn into sermons. Explain to us, what is photo theology? Yeah. So um, let me give you a little, a little bit of background, okay? Um, <clears throat> when, when I became an Adventist, um, I didn't have, I didn't come in through an evangelistic series. Um, it was, I had to learn a lot on my own. Now, as a former hip hop artist, you know, in a hip hop industry, when you're rhyming, you're always trying to, it was natural to look to say something in a way that no one else had said it. So you were always looking to uh, say the same thing, right? We, often we would say the same thing, but don't say it in a way someone else has said it. So I didn't realize this, but I, I brought that kind of mentality into my Bible study. So I'd be studying something but like, man, this is, you know, I'd be reading something from a book that I picked up and I would highlight my Bible and I would just say like, what is a different way I can see this? You know, and I wasn't necessarily trying to, to do this. It was just, my mind was just operating that way. Huh? You know what? <laughs> this word is pretty unique and I'm seeing it through this perspective or through that angle. And so once I started to really get into Bible study and once I started to, to preach, and I'd often have people come up to me and say, Pastor, how did you just come up with that sermon? How did you just make that connection? And it's not something that I was paying attention to. I just thought, yeah, everybody should see this, right? Yeah, I mean, this is obvious. Everyone sees this. But it wasn't obvious to, to you know, people were just like, how did you do that? So I had to start kind of, observing how I studied the Bible. You know, okay, what am I doing? Because people are asking me, pastor, show me what you're doing. And I had to go back and kind of like investigate what am I doing when I study the Bible? And so photo theology is the, the term that I have used to coin my approach to the Bible, right? Um, what is photo theology? Um, basically photo theology is the use the study of God or the study of the Bible through the use of images, through the use of pictures. So you've heard the saying, a picture is worth a thousand, thousand words, right? As a hip hop artist, everything was visual. Your job 
was to paint a picture on the canvas of the mind in your, in your rhymes. And so that's how I approach the Bible. I was seeing everything in images, everything in pictures. And so that's how I, uh, I now teach people one of the most effective ways in my estimation of Bible study is by using images. So for example, um, there was a game that I used to play when I was younger called Concentration. I don't know if you're familiar with the game. You have all the cards face down on the deck and uh, you would flip a card, see what card it is, and then you'd have to remember where the matching card was in the deck. So it was a memory game, Concentration. The idea was when you found the two cards that matched, you got a point. It was a celebration. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the same sense, imagine the scriptures as a set of cards with storylines or images, and they're all facing down, right? Bible study becomes the art of matching images, okay? So <clears throat> when we have, when we see an image of, and by the way, before I share this example, um, there's a statement in the spirit of prophecy which says um, we should study uh, the Bible and hang the truths in precious settings. And then she says, take these truths and hang them in memories hall. And when, whenever I share that with, with people, I hang them in memories hall, there's a picture that comes to mind of a hallway, <laughs> right? And you've got these pictures on the wall in the hallway. And these are the truths that we're supposed to hang, right? In memories hall. Concentration or Bible study then becomes this process of comparing the pictures that you have hanging in memories hall. Okay. So um, Moses goes on top of the Mount while Joshua and the children of Israel are below fighting the Amalekites. Every time Moses extends his hands, the people experience victory. When his hands come down, no victory. When his hands go up, victory. His hands begin to get tired. And so Aaron stands on one side of him, her stands on the other side of him. And now you have this picture of Moses with his hands extended and one person standing on either side of him. Okay. Take a picture. <clears throat> Frame that picture. Now I'm not saying anything and you're smiling. <laughs> I I've just given you a picture, right? And I can probably imagine that you're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've seen that picture somewhere else before. And it draws your mind to Christ on the cross at Calvary with a sinner on either side of him. And then you come to the realization, whoa, it was not the nails that held his hands up on the cross, but it was the sinner on either side of him. He died for the whole world. Those that would accept him and those that would reject him as personified in these two, in these two thieves on the cross. Okay. So photo theology becomes this principle of studying the Bible through images, looking at the storylines, recording them in image format in your mind. And then because a picture is worth a thousand words, when I'm reading the story of David, uh, of Ahithophel betraying David, right? And going to his son and saying, listen, um, I know where David is and I will lead you to him. So here you have David 
one of David's own betraying him. So David knows he's being betrayed. He flees and crosses the brook Kidron. Now, you know the brook Kidron leads to the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> so here you have David fleeing, and Ahithophel now has a band of men that he is going to go and find David. And he says, I'm not going to take the rest of them. I'm just going to take David. But what ends up happening is that Ahithophel, when his counsel is not, uh, is not received, what does he do? He goes out and he hangs himself. <clears throat> I've read that story, you know, many times. And not until realizing, whoa, David is crossing the brook Kidron. One of his own has betrayed him. And the very one that betrayed him ends up hanging himself. All right. Whoa. Wait a minute. All of a sudden now that story becomes a picture of an aspect of the life of Christ. So I like to say it this way. Imagine you have a camera and you glorify your camera, right? Say you're, you're, you're a primitive person. You've never seen a camera before. Someone gives you a camera and you're like, look at this thing. Wow, wow, wow. You're not using the camera for the purpose that it was designed. The purpose of the camera is to show a picture, right? The purpose of the stories of the Bible are to reveal Jesus Christ. So the stories are the camera. We get caught up in the camera. <laughs> wow, neat camera, neat camera. Failing to realize that the camera is pointing us to some aspect of the plan of salvation or the life of Christ. So photobiology is basically learning how to use the camera to reveal pictures of the plan of salvation. Amen, Pastor. So for, for all of the people watching this video, how, how would you recommend them using that photo theology now, using that aspect? And I know there's a Facebook page that they could join and there's different yeah. classes that you teach in. It's, it's becoming a whole, like, it's becoming a nice little, like, movement where you yeah. see people little kids across the world all across the world reciting videos of genesis to leviticus and even me i'm watching like i, I have to get my photo theology skills up you you even made a joke the other day when you said that one of the little girls might start teaching the classes the ones with the rocks with the rocks so so why should a preacher now look to use this model of full theology for their sermons what benefit how could it help yeah, um, I, you know, all I can say is this. <clears throat> the response that I get from people being empowered to better understand the Bible, to me, that's worth it all. You know, if, if we know that the mind is better able to grasp images than it is words, think about this. What did the word become? flesh right the word became an image of something a picture of something so that we could better understand it mm -hmm. right so in essence when people begin to see the bible like you talked about like you just mentioned we have little kids that are doing photo theology that are like hey i just came up with this new thing here's how you can memorize all the books of the bible in order and do it backward right? Nine years old, this little girl would talk about nine years old, 
And after a few days of proteology, this is what she's doing. Not to mention other nine-year-olds and six, uh, uh, eight-year-olds and seven-year-olds who are going through this challenge of memorizing whole themes of the whole book of Genesis, the whole book of Exodus, the whole book of Leviticus in a matter of like a week, two weeks. That's how powerful. So what I'm basically telling is like, look, you do have a photographic memory, right? Because the, the process we're using is they're simply connecting images to these chapters. And in doing so, they're remembering these chapters at the drop of a dime. Amen. Amen. So you were sharing about the, uh, we were just talking about how phototheology is becoming this entire thing. So there's what I, 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 will, I will share with you that, you know, the way that I present phototheology to my students is that phototheology, I want you to imagine phototheology as a palace. Okay. And in this palace, there are 24 rooms. Each room represents a different principle in phototheology. So there are 24 different rooms. And I want you to imagine uh, with these 24 different rooms, there are six floors in this palace. The 24 rooms are divided amongst these six floors. Now the floor you and I are talking about right now, that's the ground floor. That's the room where we're learning to memorize. That's a room where we're learning to fill memories hall with these different images and pictures. Because once you're able to, uh, to, to furnish your palace with these storylines, with these images, all the other floors and all the other principles become, these are necessary to understand these other principles. Now you're able to take these stories and to mix and match and connect. And it's really a very powerful way to equip people to get the word of God in their hearts in a fun, exciting, and life-changing way. Amen. Amen. That's making me think. And even when you're, you were talking about some of the stories, I could already have, like, start making some of the connections in my mind. Um, when, it comes to, when it comes to today, like, and you see what the whole entire world is going through, how would you, how would you recommend preaching today in, like, in this time of what some may call a crisis? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, I think speaking to the crisis, mm -hmm. speaking to the conditions of people's hearts, uh, speaking to their fears, there's a lot of people that are afraid right now. There's a lot of people that are afraid right now. There's a lot of Adventists that are afraid right now. Wow. And I think in a certain sense, you can see the fear by the rise of thoughts of conspiracy within the church. Right, all this is, is a reaction of fear. And because we feel like we're not in control, you know, we're looking for narratives that are going to help us feel like, okay, now I know what's going on. I, I you know, I, I got it, but we don't need conspiracy theories to tell us what's going on, right? All we need is the Bible. And I think once you understand um, once you understand the Bible holds these answers, uh, I think presenting the Bible as the answer to our fears 
as the answer to our worries, as an answer to the crisis is very crucial right now. Turning people's attentions to the beauty of the word of God. And that's it for me. It's like the beauty of the word of God just somehow, you know, when people are like, man, I got to take my mind off of this. So I need to go like go kayaking or go, you know, uh, go on a hike or whatever. Like let the word of God do that for you. I'm not wow. saying don't do those things, but your approach to the scripture should be so like refreshing that it's like, I'm stressed. Let me think about, <laughs> let me go match some images. Let me go play a concentration game. So I think preaching in a way that helps alleviate people's fears is like a top priority right now. Mm. You know, getting people excited about the word of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, for you, Pastor, what is your favorite scripture? Um, my favorite scripture would have to be Jeremiah 23, 29. It's not my word like a, like a hammer and like a fire that, or like a fire, like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Um, so if anyone's ever emailed me, that's where that email comes from. A burning hammer. Oh, a burning hammer. Now I get it. So once again, it's a visual representation of the text. You said Jeremiah? Uh, 2329. Okay. And how do you preach that? How do you preach that using photo theology? <laughs> so with that presentation, um, you know, with that thought in mind, let me say it this way. One of the things I'm teaching my students right now is how to translate. So when we talk about, you know, when we talk about translation, we're usually thinking translating, right, from Hebrew to Greek or Greek to Hebrew or English, whatever. Well, in phototheology, you learn how to translate a text into a picture. So you take a text, you take a chapter, and you're basically going through trying to translate that into an image, into a storyline. And so for me, every time I think of Jeremiah 23, 29, um, the picture that comes to my mind is the word of God, like a hammer, not just a hammer, a fiery hammer that is so powerful that it breaks the rocky heart into pieces. That's how the heart is converted, right? When the hammer of God smashes up against that stony heart, boom, it shatters and a new man rises in its place. Amen. 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 Um, for, for you, when it comes to working on sermons, what has been the, what, what, what has been the thing that has allowed you to experience the biggest blessings? Um, I, I'll, I tell you what, uh, when my first sermon that I ever preached, it was, they asked me to preach about a month out and day and night. I was working on that sermon. Now, I already knew that I wanted to be a pastor and I was working towards that. So this is my first sermon I'm preparing. And in that first sermon, I probably put everything I ever knew about Adventism into that sermon. <laughs> the sermon lasted two hours. <laughs> now, I don't remember what I preached. 
I remember when I finished preaching it, people were like, whoa, yeah, that was amazing. And when I got that response, I was terrified because I thought to myself, if it took me four weeks to put together one sermon and I'm one, I want to preach like every week for my career, how in the world is that going to happen? Mm-hmm. And that just terrified me to death, man. I started taking notes of sermon ideas. Like from that week on, I was like, all right, I got to, I'm going to be, I'm going to take notes. I was just writing down titles, anything I could think of. And interestingly enough, like my sermons, and this is something that the Lord just does with me, I guess. But um, if I try to put together a sermon, like a week before, it's not going to happen. My sermons will not happen. You know, sometimes they're happening Friday at 2, no, Saturday morning, 2 a.m. in the morning. Sometimes they're happening then. And I'm like, Lord, you know I've got this sermon to preach, right? And for 20, 20 20-something years of preaching, it's almost been that consistently. But here's the beautiful thing about it. You know the Lord is leading because... Once the Lord puts that thought in my mind, it'll take me an hour to put it together. And I believe that through using photo theology, once I have the image, once I have the picture, I got the picture, it's, it's like, all right, we're good to go. All right. So the blessing has just been realizing, you know what, this is the Lord. When people hear, you know, they're hear a sermon of mine, pastor, how did you, and I'm just like, yep, that wasn't me. <laughs> But so before we have everybody saying, well, Pastor Ivor Meyer says that he works on his sermon Saturday at 2 a.m. How, how much, how, what's your relationship with Bible study? How are you studying yeah. the Bible? Like explain yeah. that part also. Yeah. So my, this is one of the biggest complaints I hear from people. How am I supposed to have time to study the Bible? And what, what I present in, in the system of phototheology is you should be studying the Bible all the time. Mm-hmm. And the way you see people think, how I study the Bible all the time, that means I have to be in front of the Bible all the time. No. Once you have the stories of the Bible locked here, you cannot study the Bible without necessarily having the Bible open before you. So it's not saying don't study the Bible with the Bible open before you. But basically what's happening is I'm basically studying around the clock, right? Not only am I studying, you know, looking at comparing images in my mind all the time, but if I'm doing dishes, there's something that I call freestyle in photo theology. So in the hip hop world, freestyle, right? With Bible study or with, with trying to get the mind, the word of God in your mind and in your heart, you should be doing like Jesus did. Right? I believe Jesus was a freestyler. Like, I don't think he pre-planned, consider the limits of the field. Right? He didn't write that down. I was like, okay, next time I'm in front of people, I'm going to say consider. I think he's looking around. He's like, look at the limits of the field. Right? He was picking up object lessons spontaneously. So if I'm doing dishes, I'm thinking, man, sin is a lot like dirty dishes. Right? I'm studying while I'm doing the dishes. In order for this dirt to get off, you gotta have water, 
Sometimes the sin is so stained on, you need a Brillo pad. Man, that's going to hurt. But it's not because I hate the plate. It's because I want the plate to be clean. And when the plate is clean, I can lift it up and look and see my reflection in the plate. Right? You're studying, you're learning to take object lessons. When I'm driving in my car to work, right? When I'm outside doing the, doing the yard, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm learning how to take those object lessons and apply them to the Bible. Not only that, but because I'm memorizing uh, 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 the, the themes and the storylines of the scriptures, I am, uh, this is one of the reasons why once I get an image, once you say, hey, preach on this, give me, give me an hour, give me an hour and a half, it's all right, because all I'm doing is just going, okay, boom, I'm taking the pieces of the picture and I'm putting it together to create an image in the listener's mind that they will most likely never forget. Mm. So I still have people like to this day, pastor, I remember that sermon you preached 15 years ago. And they will just recite it like, because what I was presenting to them was a picture, a picture that they don't forget. Hmm. I have a, I have a friend in uh, New York. Uh, her name's Jolanda. And when I first turned Adventist, this was about three years ago. I've been Adventist for about four years now. And she, she said, you need to watch this sermon. I was like, all right. And she said, she sent me a sermon, The Blueprint by Ivan Myers. So I'm watching the sermon. And then I just, I paused the sermon like 10, 15 minutes in and like, like five minutes in. And I messed up like, why is he so happy? Like, why is he so happy while he's preaching like this? Because I didn't get it. Like you come from the world and you come into the church and sometimes you see serious preachers or you see other preachers that are like, you know, but then you, like you were happy. I was like, why is he so happy? You know, it's kind of weird. But then when I started to watch the sermon, the sermon, the blueprint, actually it changed my life because it took me through this, uh, the sanctuary. And like you said, it, it showed me images in every single object in the sanctuary every single instrument and how that was an instrument of the plan of salvation yeah how did you come up with that sermon yeah so uh to photo theology mm -hmm. like that whole presentation is about pictures literally the entire presentation is about pictures so when people see it they're seeing it they've just watched the movie i just watched the movie who are the actors? There were no actors. Well, where'd you see the movie? It was a sermon. But that sermon was a movie. I'm and that's why people are like, you got to see that because it was all about pictures, right? The diagram of the sanctuary and everything happening through that diagram, that sticks in people's minds, right? So I've heard, you know, I've studied the sanctuary and, you know, seen many sermons and, you know, you can get into a very minute, you know what I'm saying? Look at the, the horn represents, you know, and it's just kind of like I would get lost in it. And I know a lot of people get lost in the sanctuary. But I think once you're able to step back and show the big picture of something, and that's really where I think phototheology comes in. It allows you to step back out of the forest and see the big picture continually. When you learn to see the big picture, you cannot get into the forest and know, yeah, I'm in this part of the forest. And now this tree in the forest makes sense in the context of the big picture. So I think what happens often, uh, uh, Christopher, is that 
there are, I think sometimes as pastors or theologians or whatever, we like to soar high to demonstrate I'm theologian and you're the lay person. And I'm saying that we need to close that gap so that people don't feel like unless you have a degree in theology, unless you, you are a scholar, you can't go where I'm going. And so that's kind of been my thing is, I'm like, people are like, Pastor, you have a gift? And I'm like, nah, it's, well, maybe, but it's not a gift that is not available to, to anybody else. So my whole thing is, look, I'm going to try to soar high, but low, <laughs> right? In a low way so you can see, hey, I can do this too. I don't need to have, you know, these letters behind my name. I don't need to whatever. Not, no, no disrespect to the achievements and the accomplishments of scholars and everything. But I think we got to get to a place where the people feel like I can reach that. I can attain to that. And so that's my goal is really showing people, look, all right, you don't understand Greek. You don't understand Hebrew. That's all right. If you understand images, you can come to the same conclusions and you can see even deeper stuff. That's the idea behind phototheology. Amen, Pastor. Yeah, because I would say for somebody that was new to Adventism, to be able to watch one sermon and to be able to, after that, break down the sanctuary, that was life-changing for me. Wow. Because I knew, I knew that, like, wow, we as a church, we have this information where we look into the Bible, what we believe is biblical. And what changed my life was when you had the module up and you showed the image of, now you have the altar sacrifice, the labor, and then you start going and it made the cross. And I was just yeah. like, I can't believe that the sanctuary message leads to the cross like that. It just opened my eyes and it, it took images for me to understand that. And like yeah. you said, there's times when before I could look at somebody preaching and, and I did feel that gap. Whereas, all right, you're the theologian, you're the doctor, and I can, how could I ever think like that? But when you put it into images, it just made me like, wow. It, it made me appreciate the Old Testament more where I was just like, wow, like all these messages are pointing to Christ. And, right. and it opened up my mind. Like, you know, when you use that term, like mind blown, like it was just like, wow, you know, so I'm, that, that was definitely a, a, a blessing. So to kind of come to a close, because I want to be respective of your time. Yeah. Over the last, maybe, so when you were a freshman or when you just turned Adventist to now, what are some of the major lessons that God has taught you? Um, you know, I think, Patience, patience. I think sometimes, uh, um, you know, coming from the world, when I, when I came into the church, man, the church was heaven. <laughs> and the saints were saints. <laughs> that was in my mind. <laughs> I'm in heaven. The saints are saints. We got each other's back. Yes, man, this is it. And, you know, I think to come to the reality that a lot of times the saints are not saints, this is not heaven, and sometimes this is worse than the world, um, that has been a lesson, you know, I think probably the, I mean, of course, next to the gospel, I'm, I'm learning these lessons of the gospel every day, you know, 
what I study and, and the impact it's having on me. But, you know, coming to the realization that, um, you know, God's church can sometimes um, not do the best job of reflecting who Christ is. The jealousy within ministries, the jealousy within the field of pastors, um, it, it, it's, you know, I honestly, I still don't get it. Um, but it's a lesson that I'm okay. You know, you got to accept people where they are, know that people are still in different places. And I think that's a very, you know, when I came into this church, it was like, yo, everybody should be here. This is the line. Boom, boom, boom. Now I'm like, yeah, there are people that are in different places and, you know, you just have to understand that, accept that and do your best to, to model ministry, to model before them, and, um, you know, maybe not be um, so unforgiving. You understand what I'm saying? For someone maybe believing this way or thinking this way or acting this way when you think, oh, they should know better or what have you. So, yeah, I mean, there are many lessons. That's one that jumps out. But that, that really uh, hits at home for me because coming from the world and coming from New York City and there's certain codes that you follow as far as like loyalty. Yeah. And then when you, when I entered even into the church, you, you, we have this type of thinking like, wow, this is the best place in the world. Like I remember for the first time hearing moments of meditation in church where it was completely different than the party world or anything. And you're like, this is the music that they're going to play in heaven. So you start associating like, oh, wow, like you, you accept all the doctrine, you accept all the, the beliefs. They tell you how to eat, you eat that way. You just follow yeah. it because yeah. you're just over the world. You don't want anything yeah. to do with it. Yeah. And then you start to see things and you're like, that's, that's not loyalty or that's not this. And yeah. then, and, and, and I, I feel like God is even speaking to us saying like, walk with me. Right. Like I'm Jesus. Jesus Christ is the definition. And and I, I think it says in the uh, starting of gospel workers that it says though his uh, church is feeble in certain yeah. ways, it's his it's his Still perfect possession. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So I, I I truly understand when you and I can relate to that. Yeah. If you could go back and speak to Ivor Myers right before he preached his very first sermon, and you could uh, sit down and have a talk with him, yeah. what would you say to him about ministry? Um. Yeah, you know, that's that's so funny, man. Because I um I uh, was cleaning out my garage uh, yesterday, and I found an old uh, diary. And I, I wish I had. A, I always want to run upstairs and get it right now. I'm not gonna do that. But uh, the entry date was May 20th. I'm actually gonna post it on Facebook today. It was mm -hmm. May 28th, 1996. And I had just been accepted to Oakwood College. So in my journal, I've just been accepted to Oakwood College. I don't have the first cent, but I'm going. And then I think I said something like, um, I'm going to be the best servant for God that I can be. And I'm going to help finish this work or something, something along those lines. Um, if I went back, I would uh, tell my old self, 
um, be prepared for hard conflict. Um, be prepared for trial, but know that it's going to be all right. And uh, preach your heart out. Amen. 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 Uh, Pastor, any final, like, I want to leave with some final words, like any final words of encouragement on preaching, anything you think we missed, anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would just say that I want to encourage people uh, to know that they can get deeper into the word of God for themselves. You know, the Protestant Reformation was based on taking theology out of the realm of the theologians and empowering the people. And I think we're at that place within Adventism as well, that this line between I'm the, you know, I'm the theologian, I know better, depend upon me, trust my words, um, that line needs to be removed. And yes, we go to school for this. Yes, we've got you know, our degrees and blah, blah, blah but we should not use that as leverage over the common you know member as if we have access to things that they don't have access to so sometimes we just want to you know like hey i need to feel better by saying i've been trained in this and i'm the scholar in this you're just the but you know god can use men and women of any background um to to do amazing things with the word of god Amen. Amen. Um, Pastor, so uh, thank you so much for your time. I, I pray we could do this again. Uh, yeah. can, you, can you close with a word of prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, uh, we want to thank you, Lord, for um, just allowing your word to um, draw us closer to you, Lord. Uh, we ask, Lord, that um, you would uh, bless those, again, who watch this that they might be inspired to know more, to go deeper, and uh, to fill memories halls with the images of scripture. Um, teach us, Lord, to see beautiful and amazing things out of your word that will change us, that will give us power um, to become and remain sons of God. We thank you for hearing and answering because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Hey, Pastor Myers, thank you so much for your time. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. And uh, hey, if I can, I just want to let people know if you uh, are interested in any of this stuff, we talked about the Facebook page. Uh, it's Photo Theology uh, on Facebook. Um, I also have a, a, a Patreon uh, masterclass. So if you're interested in that, just powerofthelamb.com. You can check it out there, powerofthelamb.com. I'll make sure I include it in all the links and everything we share. Excellent. And we have the, we have the, I think you're a part of the, uh, the Facebook group. Yes. I'll make sure that we uh, include those links in there. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, man.